RTHK News. It's one o'clock. I'm Vicky Wong. The headlines. The chief executive says the national security law doesn't prevent people from carrying out legitimate business in Hong Kong. Carrie Lam unveils new plans to tighten border control measures to prevent imported COVID cases into the SAR. And the Journalists Association says new rules for company and land registry searches will subject journalists to greater legal risks. Chief Executive Carrie Lam says the national security law has not prevented people from operating legitimate businesses in Hong Kong, saying no one knows for sure the exact reason why several civil organisations have recently disbanded. Her comments came a day after Amnesty International said it would close its two offices in Hong Kong by the end of the year, citing the security law introduced by Beijing last year. Speaking to reporters ahead of the weekly Exco meeting, Mrs Lam said the basic law guarantees freedom of speech and association. Since the enactment of the national security law, uh, different associations and various individuals have um, uh, explained or justified their actions um, on the basis of a national security law. Uh, but there is no way that one could prove that this is exactly the reason for their taking such a decision. So similarly, I could not comment on this explanation given by an organization about their departure from Hong Kong. The chief executive also praised proposed changes to the legal aid system that could strip defendants of the right to nominate their own lawyers in criminal cases, calling them sensible, practical and balanced. As said in the uh, reviews or objectives, one is to prevent the monopoly of legal aid cases by a small group of uh, lawyers, uh, barristers and solicitors together. Secondly, is to enhance the management, the case management of legally aided cases. And third is to enhance the transparency of the entire legal aid system. And I don't think anybody would dispute. Uh, these are very um, good objectives and hence the package has been approved or endorsed by the Legal Aid Services Council. Separately, the chief executive says the government will tighten border control measures to prevent imported COVID cases, scrapping most of the quarantine exemptions granted to designated travellers. Currently, visitors such as senior finance executives can avoid stringent quarantine if the government considers their activities are in the interest of Hong Kong's economic development. But Mrs Lam said the changes meant exemptions would only be granted to people providing emergency services or daily necessities to Hong Kong, such as cross-border drivers. She spoke through an interpreter. Shortly, we will make an announcement. At the beginning of last year, in relation to exempted uh, groups of quarantine-free personnel, most of these will be removed. We will only leave those relating to emergency services or services relating to the uh, everyday supply and logistics of Hong Kong, say, for example, cross-boundary truck drivers. Whenever a measure is ready, we will launch it. This is to give the confidence of the central authorities that it is safe to open the border. She said the government decided on the changes after meeting mainland health experts to discuss how Hong Kong can ensure the safe reopening of its border with the mainland. 
Earlier, the Asia Securities Industry and Financial Markets Association urged the government to do more to open up the SAR, saying businesses need more certainty going forward. The group's chief executive, Mark Austin, called the current 21-day quarantine excessive. He urged it. He urged the authorities to look at ways to lift the vaccination rate, including requiring vaccine passports for public events and restaurants. You know, we're seeing that in other countries to try to get vaccination rates up. So if your target is, you know, 70 or 80 or 90, whatever it is, um, then I think you need to have policies behind that to kind of in- encourage um, uh, individuals to get those vaccinated rates uh, higher um, so that you can open up. And we're not seeing enough of that in our view uh, in Hong Kong. The chairman of the Journalists Association, Bronson Chan, says a new requirement for people to give their ID card numbers when carrying out company or land registry searches will subject journalists to greater legal risks. The company's registry and the land registry say the requirement will come into effect next Monday. The departments will also require people to state the purpose of their searches and undertake not to use the information elsewhere or in contravention of the privacy ordinance. Mr Chan told RTHK that the authorities should state clearly that journalistic work is one of the allowed purposes for registry searches. We are not trying to get any privilege and special rights. We are willing to give our name and ID card number. But the problem is we hope that we can do our job in the right way, in the right purpose. But the government has not provided. And furthermore, the most important thing is what we've done is about the public interest. Okay, if, if we're using this information not for public interest, we, we still have problems. But if we're doing something about the public interest, that it should be protected by the law. Transport Secretary Frank Chan says the airport authority is setting up a logistics park in Dongguan to speed up the shipment of goods between the mainland and Hong Kong. The minister says that in future, mainland exports can go through customs clearance at the Hong Kong International Airport Logistics Park in Dongguan before being shipped to the Hong Kong airport to be transferred to international flights. He says the new arrangement will strengthen the connection between Hong Kong and other Greater Bay Area cities. Mr Chan spoke through an interpreter. Export cargo from the mainland can go through security screening, palletization and cargo acceptance in advance and then be transported seamlessly by sea to an airside sea air cargo handling facility to be set up in the restricted area of the Hong Kong International Airport for direct transshipments to overseas destinations. International cargo may also be imported into the mainland through the reverse process. Such an arrangement will create synergy between Hong Kong's robust international airport industry and the GBA's advantageous export manufacturing industry, bringing economic benefits for both places. The Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison says he will confirm at the weekend's climate summit in Scotland that Australia intends to achieve net zero carbon emissions by 2050. Mr Morrison said the decision had not been taken lightly and the government had a clear plan to achieve it through technology rather than taxes. It's not a plan at any cost. There's no blank checks here. It will not shut down our coal or gas production or exports. It will not impact households, businesses or the broader economy with new costs or taxes. It will not cost jobs, not in farming, farming, mining or gas, because what we're doing in this plan is positive things, enabling things. 
Police in the U.S. state of Illinois say they've finally been able to put a name to one of eight previously unidentified victims of the 1970 serial killer John Wayne Gacy. Officials say Francis Wayne Alexander would have been 21 or 22 when he was murdered. Cook County Sheriff Tom Dart said he was killed in 1976 or 77. We're able to narrow the window when we believe he was killed by John Gacy because of where his body was positioned in the crawl space. Um, he was buried underneath um, an individual who we know pretty precisely when he was murdered. And so that gives us an end date of March 15th, 1977. And then we have parking tickets that go from um, the um, 19, uh, January of 1976. So it was in that window sometime that, that Wayne was uh, targeted by John Gacy and subsequently killed. Princess Mako, the niece of the Japanese emperor, has married her college sweetheart and left the royal family. Ms. Mako and her fiancé and her husband, Kei Kumoro, announced their engagement four years ago, but the marriage was postponed because of a scandal involving Mr. Kumuro's mother. In today's wedding, an official from the Imperial Household Agency submitted paperwork without the usual rituals and ceremonies in, Jap- in Japanese royal weddings, including a reception. Ms. Mako also received to refused to receive a one-off payment of about one. 1.3 million US dollars. The Commerce Ministry says Vice Premier Liu He has spoken with US Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen via video call and discussed the macroeconomic situation and bilateral relations. It said both sides said it was important for the two countries to strengthen communication and coordination on macroeconomic policies. The US Treasury said in a separate statement that Ms Yellen frankly raised issues of concern but looked forward to future discussions with Mr Liu. Mr Liu also held talks with both Ms. Yellen and U.S. Trade Representative Catherine Tai earlier this year. The electric car maker Tesla hit a market value of one trillion U.S. dollars. It's the first vehicle manufacturer to do so. Here's the BBC's Michelle Fleury. Tesla joins an elite club of companies whose market value has crossed the one trillion dollar mark. Others in this group include Apple, Microsoft and Google's parent company Alphabet. Amazon reached that threshold in January of last year, 23 years after becoming a public company. Tesla has done it in just 11 years, boosting the net worth of its founder and CEO Elon Musk. It also became the first carmaker to reach that threshold after receiving an order from Hertz for 100,000 Tesla Model 3 cars for its rental fleet. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 26,037. That's 99 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $61 billion. In the currencies, the US dollar is trading at 113.87 yen. The euro is standing at 1 US dollar and 16 cents. And the pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 69 cents. To sports now, and we start with cricket. Pakistan's cricketers are aiming for a second win at the T20 World Cup. On the back of a historic victory over India, Pakistan are preparing to face New Zealand today in Sharjah. Cricket journalist Masa Rashad says Pakistan are on a high after crushing their great rivals to start the tournament. I think that in the recent history, especially for this young team, uh, because the team that was playing against India, they had eight players in the eleven who were playing T20 World Cup for the very first time. So there was a lot of pressure on them uh, because Pakistan, they have finally broken the shackles. Uh, I mean, it's been a, th- a 30 years wait. They first met in Cricket World Cup in Sydney 1992. 
And since then, there were 12 games across uh, T20 World Cups and Cricket World Cups uh, where India got the better of Pakistan. So finally, after 30 years, Pakistan have managed to defeat India. And I think that if I say that it will be a convincing win, it will be an understatement because uh, that was something, a 10 wickets win, uh, which uh, Pakistan had never experienced before in T20 internationals. And cricket in Pakistan is not just, it, it's not just a sport, it's an emotion. I mean, it, it unites people. Uh, whenever there is a game of this sort or a victory of this sort, everyone in Pakistan feels so happy. And we have seen it in the videos that people were out marching in the streets of Lahore, Karachi, even in Dubai. So I think it's a great feeling and it's a great moment for Pakistan cricket. In the early match, South Africa took on the West Indies in Dubai, both sides looking to bounce back from their opening defeat. After winning all three matches to qualify for the main draw, Scotland were outclassed by Afghanistan in their opening Super 12 match in Sharjah. Afghanistan won by 130 runs. Scotland captain Kyle Kutzer says there's a lot to learn from this humbling defeat. There's a real sighter for us to see. Look, this is where the level is against a very good Afghanistan team, against some, some excellent bowlers uh, on... on uh, potentially slightly tricky pitch um, with their, their style of bowling. So uh, we've got to give them a lot of credit too. They, I thought they bowled fantastically well, but there were some excellent performances from our guys. Mark Watt was just brilliant again today. Staying with cricket, two more teams will be added to the Indian Premier League for the 2022 season. The BBC's Paul Serres has details. There will be two new Indian Premier League sides from 2022. The RPSG Ventures conglomerate bid more than $930 million at Monday's auction in Dubai to set up a new team in the city of Lucknow. CVC Capital Partners promised more than $690 million to set up a team in Ahmedabad, home of the world's biggest cricket stadium with a 132,000 capacity. The two new expansion teams takes the number playing in the competition from next season to 10 with sides playing seven home and seven away matches in a 74-match tournament. American football now and Green Bay Packers star Devante Adams could be in doubt for the team's crunch clash with the unbeaten Arizona Cardinals after being placed on the COVID-19 list. The Packers said Adams is on the reserve list for players who either test positive for COVID-19 or have, who have been in close contact with an infected person or persons. ESPN cited an unidentified source as saying that Adams has tested positive for the coronavirus. And now to the weather. Sunny periods this afternoon, mainly cloudy with one or two rain patches tonight. Light to moderate to northeasterly winds. The outlook for the week, sunny periods in the next few days and one or two rain patches in the morning. Currently at the observatory, it's 28 degrees and the relative humidity is 59%. To end the news, the top stories once again. The chief executive says the national security law doesn't prevent people from carrying out legitimate business in Hong Kong. Carrie Lam unveils new plans to tighten border control measures to prevent imported COVID cases into the SAR. And the Hong Kong Journalists Association says new rules for company and land registry searches will subject journalists to greater legal risks. The news from RTHK.
And welcome to the 123 show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Tuesday afternoon. Tuesday, the 26th of October, is today's date. Many thanks once again to Phil for the morning brew today. We've got a busy show for you today. In about 10 minutes or so, we're going to be chatting with Ben Margulith, the co creator of What's My Role, which is a Dungeons and Dragons role playing podcast locally produced right here in Hong Kong. We'll hear all about this uh, just in about 10 minutes. And uh, after the two o'clock news, we'll be chatting with Tuesday reporter Andrew Dembina for an update of global and local food news. And as usual, we love hearing from you as well. A one, two, three, show at rthk.hk. That's 